there ain't no stopping us Fly without boarding pass Couldn't catch me, I'd be moving fast Call me a shooting star Let them know who you are Flying up and above I wish on a star Time to show them who's in charge Call me a shooting star Hey BTC, it's your boy DJ Barbecue, and we got a special episode today. We have a special guest. We have a new sponsor, and let me tell you, this really makes BTC Uncut Live a lot more powerful because BTC Uncut Live is powered by kback.rocks kbackradio.com what rock radio really is now today's guest we have our ever so popular our professor guru behind the scenes our merchandise king john puts here john how you doing today i'm glad to be here how you doing man i'm doing good thank you for calling in I appreciate it. Um, first off, why don't you tell the audience and the listeners a little bit about yourself if they don't know you? Well, um, I basically am the guy behind. Uh, I'd like to consider myself a, a behind the curtain, if you will. Right. Um, I a lot of a lot of the stuff that. Uh, you see uh, a lot of the stuff that um, is is kind of like the visual aspect of behind the curtain. Um, I'm just sort of behind. I'm sort of the guy behind that. So um, you know, I um, abs- Yeah, I guess <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, man. <laughs> so you know, everybody has a, a story about how they started or what it attracted them to professional wrestling. Why don't you give us a little insight? What caught your eye? What really, uh, you know, stung you about professional wrestling? Well, that um, let's see, man. Uh, I I guess I guess wrestling has always been in my life, like from day one. Um, it it's literally been with me since before I have any memories. Um, my dad, uh, so. My dad grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and you know, back in the back in the 70s and the 80s, um, when the NWA was still divided into territories, there was the Pacific Northwest Territory. Um, they had a show called Portland Wrestling. Um, my dad did a uh, ring crew uh, for the for the promoter Don Owen, and uh, you know, um, he basically worked all those shows. They they had they had a very um, a very set schedule that they would have um, throughout the state of Oregon, uh, Washington, and um, you know, I was essentially born into that. Like while my dad was still doing some of those shows. Um, now, by the time I was born, the um, Portland wrestling and the and that territory of the NWA was pretty much on its last legs. Eighty-eight. Okay. So uh, yeah, you know, like it was basically. Um, <laughs> 
it wasn't too far off before they went belly up. But I I was, however, in my very first wrestling show that I was in attendance for was a taping of Portland Wrestling at the old Portland Sports Arena. And hopefully some of you in the group will know what I'm talking about because this like I've always considered Portland Wrestling to be the forgotten territory of the NWA. Because, you know, you go on WWE Network and you see the archives and they have, like, you know, Mid-Atlantic, they have Georgia Championship Wrestling, they have, you know, um, the old uh, WCW on TBS, whatever it is. Portland Wrestling, it, I, can, I call it the Forgotten Territory because Dono and the promoter made the fateful decision way back when to not um, archive his, his shows. So, you know... With that being said, the only footage that exists today of Portland wrestling is that that fans happen to tape on their on their home VCRs. Right. So um, you're uh, you're definitely right about that with the Portland um, territory because you don't really hear about it as much as that you should. Um, even there's some um, Google searches if you do now with this generation. Um, and when I say this, I, I kind of date myself. I'm, I'm really back in the day, you know, I was born in the eighties, so I kind of was fortunate enough to know a little bit about uh, a lot of these different territories. And, and Portland is one of those ones that you're correct. It's not well known. People don't really talk about it. Um, and yeah, it, it was unfortunate that he never and did so archive his videos. Did. Yeah. And so many just major names in the business came from there. Like, um, you know, it, it, Jesse Ventura got his start in Portland wrestling. I, I have, um, so I have, I have a lot of clips that I've gathered throughout the years, um, of, of different, um, from different people that I know, cause I, I live in Oregon. So, you know, I, I've made connections with a lot of people who were, who lived through that, that time period. And I've been able to, like, you know, collect a sizable amount of footage over the years. Um, and I've, I mean, I got, I got stuff that would just, like, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, um, imagine Jesse Ventura, the, basically not able to talk. I mean, Jesse Ventura is known as one of the better talkers in the industry. And, like, when he was here in Portland, he basically was known for just coming up in front of the camera and posing. He didn't. He didn't really. He couldn't talk. I mean, he he basically couldn't talk. I mean, it's it's. Uh, but yeah, um, it. I have a a friend of mine. That, so one of the one of the main guys that came from uh, Portland was a guy named Playboy Buddy Rose. Um, I I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but uh, Playboy Buddy Rose actually was that sort of helped Shawn Michaels um, and Marty Jannetty. Um, kind of moved up to the next level in their careers. Um, there is sort of a legendary match that took place in the AWA um, on the on their uh, AWA at the Showboat, the ESPN show that they used to do. Um, and th- basically, yeah, uh, Buddy Rose was one of the main guys in Portland, but um, he made it a point to tape every episode of Portland Wrestling himself. I mean, he was kind of the top guy of the territory, and when he passed away, he um, sort of left the largest existing collection of Portland wrestling footage in one place, and um, kind of left, um, it got left to a a guy that I know pretty well, and and, um, actually, uh, 
you know, so now the biggest collection of Portland footage that exists is someone that is really close to me. So it's kind of interesting. Well, but, when you when you were discussing that, I mean, you know, Jesse, the body Ventura came from the Portland territory, um, and a lot of the the listeners and the mm-hmm. watchers may not know that. Um, and some, they might not know a lot of other ones. Do you know anybody else other than Jesse Ventura that was actually in that promotion? Definitely by far the biggest name, uh, is Roddy Roddy Piper. Um, but just to name a few, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, let's see, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, uh, the Iron Sheik, um, uh, Kurt Hennig, along with his dad, Larry the Axe Hennig, um, Let's see, the, uh, the grappler Len Denton, Len Denton um, actually Len Denton, uh, he was actually a, a guy that went on to a world class, worked, had a bunch of matches with like Bruiser Brody, um, North the Barbarian who went on to the WWF to be known as the Berserker, Yep. Um, Crush, uh, Brian Adams Crush, uh, let's see, who else, I mean there's, there's a lot of guys man. Um, and by Rocky this point Johnson, right now? The, the the viewers and the, the listeners are probably having their jaw drop because uh, a lot of them don't know this. And, and, right. and this is an education that I really hope that the, the new um, generation of professional wrestling fans actually listen to because this is actually a who's who of Hall of Famers or potential like Hall of Famers um, in this promotion. And so, yeah, just, just, I had to say that, just, just go ahead because it's, it's amazing with this promotion and, and the talent that came out of there. Yeah. Rocky Johnson was there. Um, one of the, one of the coolest things that I have like as a personal, like just memory for myself is, um, I uh, was in attendance for Monday night raw. I believe it was in Portland, Oregon at the Rose garden, uh, the Rose garden arena. And, uh, I believe it was 2012. It was like the build up to, um, WrestleMania 28, uh, it was like once in a lifetime, Cena versus Rock, I believe. And uh, The Rock was basically the final segment on Raw, where he basically, that you, I don't know if you remember how like him and Cena had this big Twitter war thing going on at the oh, time. Oh yeah, yep, yep, that's where and, that whole, and, whole thing started from. Right, and so this was actually... Um, the first time that The Rock had appeared in the state of Oregon on 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 WWE television, and actually, I think um, th- that's kind of an interesting story too. Is why didn't the WWE or WWF why didn't they um, come to the state of Oregon for almost 20 years? Uh, but I'll get to that. In a so after the show goes off the air, The Rock cuts his big promo against Cena and everything, but then after the show goes off the air, he then pauses and takes the time and takes the time to acknowledge that most of you don't know this, but The Rock used to live here in Portland, Oregon. Talk about how his dad, Rocky Johnson, um, like ran through the territory and how The Rock would be sitting there at ringside as a, you know, as a as like a twelve year old. Right. Um, and and this the, the arena that they that they ran out of. So Portland Wrestling, one of the one of their big promotion points that they used back then was that they were one of the only NWA territories to um, to come to you live weekly from an actual arena because at the time most NWA territories um, their weekly live show was in a television studio. Right. 
and um, and so Portland Wrestling was in a arena. Now this arena it was called the Portland Sports Arena. It was in the industrial district of Portland in, in North Portland, and um, what it actually was it was a um, it was a renovated bowling alley that uh, that Don Owen the promoter bought. And essentially, like, there's a lot of, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of kind of like what the ECW arena came to be. Um, right. It had a very, like, the, the way that fans, that, that fans of Portland Wrestling talk about that building is very similar to how fans of the original ECW talk about the original ECW arena. So, I mean, it was, I mean, really, if, I'm, if we're being honest, the Portland Sports Arena was, was a shithole. Right. You know, um, this was back at a, this was back in a time where where um, you were allowed to smoke in in the arena. There was no barricades. Um, there there was a my my dad has a, a amazing stories. Uh, my dad would do a ring crew, and I guess um, there was an there was this eighty five year old lady, in it, and her her nickname was Ringside Rosie, and she would uh, she would bring like uh, she would bake cakes and stuff for for the wrestlers and the wrestlers be like you know were very fond of her like they would come to the shows looking forward to this 85 year old lady to bring them like a homemade german chocolate cake or whatever it is um and just stuff like that i mean there's a there's a documentary that actually um i have a youtube channel that i've had up for several years that um and one of the videos i have posted is um an old documentary that ran on uh, local Oregon PBS television about Portland wrestling and it's it's got no narration or anything it's just it's just filmed 16 millimeter uh, film footage and it just shows you kind of what the atmosphere of the building was like and I really I, I maybe I'll um, tag a link with it uh, for you here at, um, when you post this uh, because uh, I think that uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy to look at how how the atmosphere was because they these fans believe this stuff so much. I mean, we talk about kayfabe and all this type of stuff, but like this this I I can't convey to you enough how like this was real. Like I mean, this is kayfabe. I mean, right. this I, I don't. This is but, when they mean, were I living the gimmick, have, and the yeah. and the gimmick had to uh, to be lived on both sides. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I want to just break in here and tell the listeners and viewers once again, that if you do see this link or you see any type of possible footage, I mean, there's not really a lot there, but if anybody has um, a snippet of it, it, even though that it doesn't look like, and it looks like a, a you know, a crappy situation, a crappy uh, building that actually was ahead of its time at that time when they were doing wrestling shows because like you said normally they were just in you know little studios and that this was actually you know in a, a real arena it wasn't a, a made up you know production studio so they were really ahead of their time at that point um it was kind of like the concept of the sportsatorium in, in texas where the von erics yep. were at um but i just wanted to, to break in there and explain to that to to the listeners and the viewers um that that that's exactly what it was. It was ahead of its time. It was it wasn't ever really done that well um, or done before because they wanted to have every part of the show controlled. And this was a kind of a way that you know you had to really push to go get those ticket sales. And when you were saying about the 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 old lady that was there, 
you know, that's the way it was. It was almost like a family feel um, that you could have had any of these guys, any of these fans bring whatever, and you didn't have to worry about somebody doing something dumb or stupid. And especially in this particular territory, because um, one of the unique things about Portland, uh, and I've actually heard uh, Pat Patterson talk about this in an interview, because Pat, there, um, you know, I, I when I was running down names earlier, I, I, you know, I'm obviously I'm leaving out a ton of people, but Pat Patterson's another guy that came through, uh, you know, and he talked about. Um, one thing is that Don Owen, the promoter, was always known as one of the better payoff guys in the business because, you know, uh, it was kind of, I mean, you know, it was easy for a guy to get kind of fucked over back in the day. Yeah, you know? kind of get uh, if you the weren't a top, if you weren't a If you weren't a top guy, like, you know, it'd be really easy for you to get paid another thing. Um, but uh, that being said, like, so one of the unique things about Portland is the fact that um, it's very light travel in reality because they they had a set weekly schedule um, where they would go from town to town to um, diff- that where they would basically run the same town on different nights every week. They would always run Portland on Saturday night because that's where the sports arena was. That's where the television was. Um, they would run Eugene, which is about 100 miles south of Portland. That's actually where I live. And um, then they would run Salem. That's the capital. Um, that's about 50 miles. It's kind of in the middle between Portland and Eugene. So basically, these cities are essentially within close proximity of one another. And the the way Pat Patterson described it is that um, it was nice because, like, say compared to like Texas, like um, like the Dallas territory, the amount of travel that you would have to do between between towns was right. insane compared to like Portland. If you were in Portland, you could be, you could do a show in Eugene. Yeah, that's a hundred miles, but you could still drive home, drive, and be home in an hour and a half. And one thing a wrestler loves, like if I mean, you can ask almost any wrestler, be it a current guy or an old timer, any chance that a wrestler has to sleep in their own bed, they will jump on it, right. even if it means that they have to travel a few hundred to do it. Right. So, um, so some of those uh, wrestlers that you were mentioning, um, that went to the Portland territory and that, um, how long did, were they there? Like what I'm, and I guess I should clarify a little bit better. How long did that territory last? Do you know? So, so Portland, um, well, let's see. I mean, it actually, the Portland wrestling television show at the time that it, um, that it, that it aired its final episode, the final official episode of Portland Wrestling was I and I, I apologize if I'm getting the date off by like one or two days, but I believe it was December 21 was the final final episode of Portland Wrestling, and the first thing you see on that show is um, Roddy Piper showing up to give Don Owen a plaque, and this plaque commemorates Don Owen. They um, had been airing Portland Wrestling on local television in Oregon and the surrounding northwest areas for um, 35 straight years. And at the time, it was actually considered to be one of the longest-running television shows in the entire United States. Um, right. Believe it or not, it's kind of crazy. Like, the only the only show that had it beat was, like, um, Meet the Press, you know? I, 
but those were like those um, were easier which times it, back then to be able to do television shows. I mean, definitely. You know, granted, yes, you have technology into doing it, but there's so much more involved with technology now. Yeah, there might not be that big of a, of a viewership around the nation, and some of them were lucky. You know, like if the ones that got on the Turner Network, then you know they'd be pretty much made, um, and that's what everybody tries to go for. Um, yep. But with that, what would be some of the 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 best factions to come out of Portland? Factions went. Um, it was kind. It's kind of weird. I mean, like they they didn't so much do like factions per se. The one faction that really comes to mind right off the bat, and these aren't guys that are so well known, I guess. But um, there was a faction called the Clan. Like um. And it consisted of um, three guys. It was basically um, a guy, like the, the lead guy was a guy named Rip Oliver. Um, Rip Oliver was Dallas Territory, and I believe also, um, now I'm going to have to, please fact check me on this if, I'm, if I got this wrong. Oh, and yes, we've, like, always, we've always said that to our listeners and viewers um, at any point in time. Go ahead and uh, fact check us. We encourage that. Put it down in the comments. Um, and make sure that we know, and and that's what they're for. We appreciate that uh, we have listeners and viewers do that. Um, you know, you remember how Andre the Giant was the machine at, at one point, right? Uh, in the uh, he was under a mask. It was kind of a Japanese kabuki style mask. Yep. Um, they he actually had a tag team partner, and I believe for a time that Rip Oliver was that guy under the mask like the smaller machine. Um, he also, um, I know that Rip Oliver, even though he didn't make it to television with it, he was one of the guys that was initially considered to be um, in demolition. Right, that is um, true. And and so another guy was, uh, that, was uh, that was in that, that faction was, uh, let's see, I believe it was a Hmm. It was like Brickhouse Brown, um, and I believe he went on to like ECW and WCW. Never really did, did he? Never really made it big. I think he was also in like, um, but like you know, the, as far as factions go, I mean, I think it was more about like just they had like a very big core of just like, like like got like guys who were like they're like you know main guys like that would that were like their mainstays that um even though these guys would travel around the country they would always come back to Portland and Portland would be considered home to them and one of the interesting facts is that for any of you that have read Roddy Piper's autobiography um Roddy Piper um made it a point to say to Vince McMahon when he signed Actually, I don't even know that Roddy Piper signed a contract for a long time when he was with Vince McMahon, but he um, made it a point to tell Vince McMahon, I will never, ever, ever work a WWF show in the state of Oregon because I compete against Don Owen. The guy has been too good to me and has done too much for me, and I could never, I could never do that to him. And even, like, you know... In like 1989, uh, this would have been around the time of WrestleMania Five. That's the time where Roddy Piper did the Piper's Pit with Morton Downey Jr. Uh, 
where he, you know, sprayed him with the fire extinguisher with Brother Love there. Yep. Um, so right around that time, he was making regular appearances in the WWF, but he would also be flying back to Oregon every single week. And that's another collection of tapes that I have that I think is pretty cool. Is Roddy Piper in 1989 appearing on Portland Wrestling Television. It's actually pretty remarkable when you think about it that a guy that is appearing regularly for the WWF during that period of time would be appearing on this little local NWA territory television show uh, on at, on a regular basis at the same time. Right. Um, it's actually pretty unheard of. Um, and but Piper was was allowed to do it. I mean, you know, Piper. Was, that's just you know. Somehow he was able to work that out, and uh, you know he had he started big with uh, with Nord the Barbarian, who, like I said, went on later on to become the Berserker in the WWF. There was another guy there, um, and this is a guy that a lot of you might, might be familiar with, um, a guy by the name of Art Bar. Art Bar was um, tag team partners in Mexico with Eddie Guerrero. He was called um, he was called the Love Machine, the Love Machine Art Bar, and I really really encourage you guys to go look up their tag team matches. There is a famous pay per view called Win Worlds Collide, um, that is like a I think it's like a, a tag team tournament of sorts. Um, there is some there is a fantastic match involving the Love Machine Art Bar and Eddie Guerrero, and actually, fact is that Eddie Guerrero took the frog splash from Art Bar. And the when Art Bar did a frog splash, and th there's footage of this on the WWE Network even, I believe. When Art Bar did a frog splash, he it's, it's hard to explain. He actually looked like a frog when he would do it. Like, the way that he would, like, like do the motion when he jumps got so much bend when right he would, his, when his he body movement and his aneurysms were a little bit more froggish yeah um it, he, it, it looked, he literally yeah, more looked like more of a, a frog like weeping. frog influence type of actually frog splash and that's where they got the the terminology from uh one thing that happened to me is that so i was very very young but um i um I met I met Art Bar at a Carl's Jr. restaurant, um, and he died two weeks later. He, um, I think I think like um, so this all the stories I ever read was that he basically just died in his sleep. But I'm sure that there was some other stuff involved with that. I don't want to speculate on it, but um, yeah, I mean I met Art Bar, but then hearing just like just a few weeks later that he had passed away um that that he's a guy that would have been pretty he 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 had so much potential he very well could have been a huge huge name in the business right. um he um actually roddy piper in portland wrestling gave him a gimmick which um ultimately I'm, i would imagine that there was some copyright guys that were jumping all over this but he there was this there's this famous promo where um, Roddy Piper basically says, you're too generic, and um, it makes him take his tights off and like all this stuff. He makes him basically strip down to his underwear in the middle of, of the interview set, and um, 
then he has him put on like a pair of Zuba's pants and some like and like a denim jacket. Then he like puts on his face and dumps baby powder on his head and he says, "You are now called Beetlejuice." And um, he was Beetlejuice at from that point on. And it, you can look it up. Um, he was in WCW for a period of time um, under the name The Juicer because obviously. There, like I said, there's going to be some copyright issues with the name Beetlejuice. Right. So, um, right. But, well, uh, um, the 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 Portland uh, territory is 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 a is a like you said is a very unknown, not as talkative about um, promotion. Uh, why don't we before we end the show here, let's leave some for the next show because we've already uh, decided as we were doing this. Um, that we were going to do this in a couple parts um, and talk more individual territories. And we'll go into more detail on other aspects of professional wrestling. But I want to always end uh, the show with a couple questions. And I kind of just change sure. the questions around all the time. Um, the one question I would like, and it, 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 it can be from the past, the present, or the, or the today. Um, and when I meant present, I meant like, you know, the different eras of professional wrestling that we've seen in the mainstay or independent uh what would be your favorite heel of all time or you can add you know a couple in there but what would be you would feel as in your opinion be the your favorite heel uh, i mean i i've got to go with roddy piper i mean i i know it's i know it's a cliche thing the guy to pick but you know what um it, it doesn't matter to me because uh yeah, Roddy Piper could. Uh, Roddy Piper lived to piss people off, and he always, always, always just kept himself in character. I mean, I don't even know if you could say in term to use with Roddy Piper. Um, I think Roddy Piper was who he was, and whether he was a good guy or a bad guy, like um, with at, within like the booking, I think that he was always kind of had that heel aspect to him at at heart. Right. Um, you know, I, and yeah, Roddy Piper. Um, just the way that, that guy could talk and get heat just by anything. Um, I mean, he's 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 one of the greatest. He's one right. of my he's one of my all time. Favorites. Well, let's go flip the the concept from a single star. Who do you think was the greatest heel tag team? Tag team. Hmm. Uh, kind of putting me on the spot here. Uh, I, um, I've always been a fan of, um, if you ever go back and watch, uh, like, the NWA, like, Georgia Championship Wrestling, I've watched talking about Arn Anderson. Talking about uh, Oli and Gene Anderson. Um, now I'm I'm going way way old school right here, but um, these guys just again this is when it was absolutely real, um, and this is when the majority of fans kind of believed what was going on here, and it was a lot, I guess I guess it would have been a lot easier for these guys to get heat, but anyways like these guys were just amazing. Um, You'd have to just go back and watch their stuff. Um, I would very much recommend it if you have never checked their stuff out before. Right. Well, John, I uh, uh, I appreciate you coming on. 
Uh, we're going to do, uh, like I said, a, a few different parts of this episode. But for right now, I'd like to once again thank John for being on the show. I'd like to thank uh, KBAC.Rocks for powering us up and keeping us rocking and rolling. I'd like to also thank Midwest All Pro Wrestling for being our main sponsor as well. Uh, and White Claw. Like they say, if you ain't drinking White Claw, you just ain't living. John, I appreciate it. Uh, we will do part two here soon. And uh, everybody it. out there, have a good night. Shoot, 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 shoot